because every time I come up here, I'm more nervous than a cat in a rock and chair factory. Uh, just give me just a moment to uh, moment of silence, invite my higher power up here, take a breath, and uh, hopefully I'll speak from my heart rather than my head. Thank you. Well, hello everyone. My name is Dan Reeves. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, uh, first off, you know, I <clears throat> come to this meeting now and again, lunch bunch meetings, not one that fits in my schedule most of the time. Uh, but there are a number of faces and a number of people in this meeting, you know, and, and I have a whole, I have a great deal of gratitude in my heart for, for these people that proved when, when they kept on saying, you know, you come and they keep coming back. <laughs> and, uh, but, but you know, what I found is those people really meant it. You know, Big Jim here, I've been seeing from the day I walked in the meeting, I, you know, and I know a number of people. My very first AA meeting I came into in 2011 uh, had an impact on me that that almost everybody in that meeting I could, I could point out to you and, and tell you who they were. Uh, it had an impact on me. You know, I've been seeing a lot of people. You, Ed and Ed. You know, Gary, and I don't want to leave anybody out, so I'll be careful doing that. But those guys are people I can remember being there. And, you know, and, and I did like so many do uh, of coming into here thinking in 2011, it was a March of 28th. I knew there was a meeting at Northside Christian Church. I knew I was having a problem with my alcohol. I didn't know what to do. I tried church, and in church, that little bulletin said, AA meeting, here, Wednesday nights, had a phone number, Joe, uh, so I called Joe, asked him what I needed to do to come, because I didn't have a clue. I thought maybe I'd need to come maybe 15 minutes early, fill out the paperwork or whatever, you know, and <clears throat> I really didn't know. I didn't. And uh, I, I pulled into that parking lot that morning or that, that evening, and uh, I bet I put my car in reverse and, and parked five or six times before I could get the gumption up to walk in there. Uh, that, that, you know, this thing is so much like the, the old proverbial angel and devil thing or the good and the bad or whatever and this one shoulder telling me get the hell out of here you don't need this you can do this on your own what are you doing here and this other shoulder going dude get your ass in that meeting <laughs> and this this one that lives on my right shoulder I, I listen to more often today uh, that's one of the miracles recovery has given me an ability to uh uh, listen to my higher power and, and what it has the good for me rather than taking me in another direction and uh, I hesitantly walked in that meeting I'm from New Albany I was born and bred in New Albany one of my biggest fears was is that I would see somebody in there I knew uh, you know hell now I see somebody in somebody new you know I, I'm like jumping for joy when I see somebody walk in here I haven't seen before you know because, uh, you know, maybe, just maybe, they will actually grab these tools and put it, work these steps and put these principles in their lives so they can have what I have received and so many others have received. Uh, because uh, you don't walk through that door over there uh, for the first time in a good spot. Uh, 
you know, just wondering about maybe check out a meeting tonight. I was happy to see that uh, there was nobody in there I knew. Not a single person was in there, you know, and there was probably 50 or 60 people attending that meeting. Uh, and I saw something completely different than what I thought I was going to see. And that's what I continue to see. You know, I had the, I had the, the, the goofy feeling that Alcoholics Anonymous was going to be full of uh, under the bridge drunks that were remorse and just kind of, you know, muddling through life trying to figure out, you know, how not to take a drink or whatever. And, and, and I walked in the door and I saw these smiling, happy people slapping each other on the shoulders and hugging. And, uh, you know, I, I think one of the common traits for most people is that we have this, you'll hear it over and over again, of uh, uh, having that problem fitting in and feeling like you're a part of, you know. Uh, my drinking started out in, in exactly that, you know. Some guys called me up and, hey man, uh, they knew it was a snow day. And I think I was like in the seventh grade, and they knew my mom and dad worked. <clears throat> they said, your mom and dad's not home today, right? And I said, nope, they're not. And he said, well, why don't we get some beer and drink it over at your house? And, uh, and it wouldn't have made any difference. And I like to steal this line I heard from a speaker. I listened to a lot, a lot of recovery audio. Uh, it wouldn't have made a difference if they just said, hey, how about if we go kill the Spanish teacher? You know, if, my answer was yes. Yes, because I want to be a part of. And if you're already inviting me to do something, my answer is yes. And uh, little did I know, uh, just like Bill says in that boomerang or in that in that book about the uh, forging a weapon, which was going to turn around and, and and do what it did to me later on in life. Uh, I drank poorly from the get go. You know, I had a couple. I really don't know how many. Uh, I do know it was little kings in the in those little bottles, and uh, and and I remember waking up sometime later on in the evening with my mom asking me what was the matter, and and the guy I'd puked all over the house, and they threw me in the shower and uh, did 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 me a solid man. They cleaned up the house, and nobody ever was knew anything, and uh, <clears throat> and and I also remember the feeling that I had that I will have, you know thousands probably maybe hundreds of thousands of times over the course of my drinking career of I will never do that again <laughs> and you know I call on them guys next weekend want to know when we're going to do it again uh, and everybody knows how this thing progress well not you know the, the typical progression you know drinking on the weekends here and there uh, running into the guy that had to smoke formed alcohol the uh and, and you know one of the cool things was when i was young you know what i what i realize now you know it was a little bit hard you know it was easier to get liquor then than it is now for underage uh but it wasn't exactly easy but the dope man didn't card you you know you could go there and you know get what you needed and uh and you know for a long time it was it it felt like he was managing it and having a good time you know and it was you know a lot of my drinking was good. It was fun, you know. A lot of the best times I can think back in my history, a lot of the best times I've ever had have been while I was uh, partaking in various chemical substances. Uh, but I like to say, you know, it, it worked really good until it didn't anymore. And then I got to that point where it wasn't working anymore and I couldn't stop. As bad as I wanted to, 
uh, you know, everything else in life I tried to do, I could do. Uh, you know, I held a job for a long time, did well there. Uh, you know, proceeded through life, caught a pretty girl, had some babies. Uh, anything I set my mind to, I could do, but not this. I could not stop. I tricked myself into thinking I was stopping by switching. Uh, and, and be co totally convinced that I was switching things and you know that I'd quit that I quit drinking just smoking pot <laughs> and kind of pat myself on the back for doing that and I ran through all the other recreational substances uh, there really wasn't anything that I'd say no to uh, you know, there was periods, I'm an alcoholic, but nowadays, you know, if you haven't tried some drugs, you're a rare dude or a gal, because uh, it just comes along with the party, you know, it, it's just, it's just, you know, it, it's like pretzels and peanuts, it's, it's on the table together, and, uh, you know, and, and I get hooked up on, you know, that, had a piece of time when I was doing the math, you know, and then I quit it, you know, and pat myself on the back for stopping, which was something. But, you know, I just switched to cocaine. <laughs> and then I, you know, and, and I, I like things that made me go fast, you know, so like the pot fell off some time ago because that didn't do that. That made me go to sleep. And I wanted to be awake for the whole night, you know. I didn't, I didn't like to take stuff that would, uh, that, that put me, I, I had a bad enough time. I was a dude who was always overshooting the mark, you know. I was a guy that they was waking up at the end of the concert. Come on, man, it's time to go home. Uh, the guy was in the car at the bar. Uh, I had to, give me the keys, man. I'm in the car, passed out in the back seat for the rest of the evening until everybody else was done. Uh, when I could find that other stuff, though, man, I could hang then. Um, It's a bit of a dichotomy, though, to, to think about, you know, that fun, that fun time back then, and then also, you know, in the same breath, talk about what it ended up doing to me in the end, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's that dude on my left shoulder at some level. He's still trying to talk me into thinking that was fun, you know, and it could be fun again. Mm. Uh, I know that's not the case because, as like a lot of us, it, uh, when I walked into AA in 2011, you know, I, I stumbled out of the gates and, and I did what people told me to do, get a sponsor and, and work the steps. And, uh, and I did some of what everybody told me to do, right? And uh, in, in, in June of 2012, I walked up in front of my home group and took a one-year token. I didn't drink for a year. And those words are precise. I did not drink mm -hmm. for a year. Uh, and I was proud of myself, you know. Uh, I'd stopped that for a year, you know. And I, uh, Somebody said, you know, don't try to stop smoking in your first year. They weren't really specific about what not to smoke. <laughs> But, you know, if you listen in here and you really listen, 
you get the keys to basically the keys to the kingdom, in my opinion. But it's hard to hear that, and that that thing on the left shoulder keeps on wanting to reinterpret what you're telling me. That ain't really what they meant. Practice these principles in all my affairs. Continue to uh, incorporate the principles of this program into your daily life. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you know, I did like others did, and when I in 2012, and I graduated with my one-year chip. I thought I was okay and I went back to doing life, you know, and, and from going to lots of meetings, I went to less and then you know what that means, you start going to less and then you start going to less and then you're not going to any and, uh, and, and put the tools down. And you know, some of us are, when you hear people stand up here and talk, it's a broken record player, right? I mean, hell, this ain't the first time you heard that. Uh, it's what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, these one chip wonders, these people who come in here and get it, and then never drink again, that's a rare breed. I have a friend like that, and he likes to call himself a rare breed. Uh, he's, I say he's a rare breeder. Uh, he, uh, and that book says things never get better, they're gonna get worse. And I couldn't drink at that point. It started getting to be, it's that head full of AA and, and belly full of beer syndrome, and when I would drink, uh, first off, I had a certain number of people convinced I'd quit, you know. So now I got to do the sneaking around because I can't let you see me, you know. And then that throws you into that isolated drinking, which most of us, you know, end up at at some point or another. And you're hiding and and doing just like the opposite of what I do today, you know. I mean, this staying in a cave, you know, and never letting anybody see you, and you can't be yourself, man. You got so many goddamn masks, you can't figure out which one to wear every day. And, and that's what I mean about getting worse. Uh, life got worse. Until. I walked, I come home one week, one night, my, my uh, parents used to watch my kids. I was blessed my, my didn't, they would watch my kids in the, uh, weekdays and I'd come pick them up after after work my mom had a neck surgery and uh and there's some background there that I won't get into deeply but she had uh continued to uh always seemed to be getting surgeries and and I believe today it was to to continue uh, an addiction that I didn't see either she's a professional lady and uh matter of fact kind of highfalutin from in, in the medical community and uh, I walked into her, I was in the house one day, man, and I'd usually get about six beers between work and home. But, you know, I had to get good enough to walk in there. And, uh, and I walked in the house, and it was just one of those days where you just got that, you know, different levels, that restless, irritable, and discontent, you know. And, and I was pacing the house, just not feeling good. Because when I drank, I would get a headache and instantly. And then when I would, you know, and I would think, you know, the next one was going to fix that. <laughs> and, you know, sooner or later, I'd get enough in me that the headache could go away. That didn't work. Uh, uh, but my mom had a little bottle of pills sitting next to her. And, uh, and, and I, I took a look at them, and it said, and it's kind of funny because I, I know so much, you know, you, now I feel like an amateur chemist, you know, about like be able to, how many milligrams and, and you know, and, you know, I know how, what the, co- I want the, I know what the content of that pill is today. Looking at it over on the table. Oh, that's a, but I didn't know what it was then. And these things said 
for pain. Mm-mm. You know, and, 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 and I had pain. <laughs> Not in the way that shit was going to fix. <laughs> but I did. I was hurting. Uh, and I grabbed a little bit of them. You know, I took, shook two out of one bottle and two out of another bottle. Mm. And, uh, and, I, and I, for some dumb reason, I looked at them and I thought, well, I'll take the two little ones. <laughs> well, that was a wrong decision. <laughs> but uh, it set me off on a course because in about 15 minutes, the world turned right again. Just like it did back when I started drinking when I was a kid. You know, and not knowing what I was doing and feeling... Uh, out of place and not be able, you know, the, not be able to talk to the girls and 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 the, what alcohol did for me back then, I felt that same feeling again, man. And I mean, I remember thinking, if I had a lifetime supply of this, I will be fine. <laughs> and it set me off on a course, you know. And I started uh, uh, started visiting mom more often. <laughs> uh, there's an old saying around here too about you steal your friends' drugs and help you help them look for them. Yeah. I did it. I did that with my mom. It's a little funny, but it's also damn sad. Cause she would call me up wanting to know where her pain, wondering where her pain medication was, and I'd come over and I'd sit and we would formulate and talk about maybe who might be stealing her pain medications. And you know, and, and, and as a alcoholic and an addict. Uh, you know, I was fingering people because I wasn't going to be, you know, maybe it was so-and-so, maybe it was so-and-so, you know, and, and throwing these people under the bus is perfectly innocent. Uh, after a little while, I ran everybody I knew out of the, you know, it was in everybody's medicine cabinets for a while, and, and I'd visit aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas and your grandma and uh, friends, grandmas, and you know, and, and and but after a while, I ran out, and, and I took to breaking in houses and and t- helping myself to to yours, and uh, you know, at the time, it like felt like normal. Uh, in the daytime, I was an engineer at a big company over in Lowell, and at nighttime, I'm a cat burglar, slipping around, looking for open windows and uh, keys under the rocks under front doors and stuff like that and uh, and and <clears throat> I had a neighbor across the street that I always had him he was like my fallback and I went in there one night uh, that was June the 18th of 2014 and uh, and I'd done this a hundred times man these old people I'd known them all my life uh, they lived on the street on, on, that I lived in uh, they were they couldn't hear they were in the motorized scooters things you know the motorized wheelchairs they'd park up real close to the TV and, and listen and, and watch Jeopardy and it'd be so loud I feel like I could hear it across the street at my house so I would walk in their house while they're watching TV and twinkle toe behind them and go get what I want and come back out but this night it was later and there was a girl at my house uh, I'd, I'd taken a new hostage, mm-hmm. and uh, she didn't know much about me. And her, my my kids were asleep in the bedroom, and 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 uh, her kid was asleep in, in in there with my daughter. <clears throat> and I told this girl, "Hang on a minute, I'll be right back." And I uh, 
went out the back door. It was summertime. I had a little pair of loafers on and short pants and a tank top and uh, my vape. And uh, I snuck out around the back of the house and I went across the street and I got that key out from underneath that rock that they would leave for me and went in the house and I snuck back in the back end of that house and uh, where that old man uh, kept his medications and, uh, and I shook out adequate amount and when I turned around to leave uh, there was a shadow standing there and he hit me in the face with pepper spray and then he laid into me a baseball bat. Uh, he, we were in a little tight hallway so he couldn't really get that baseball bat. Had he had some more space uh, things would have been different. But I plowed past him, man, and I ran out of the house as fast as I could. I knocked him down, and, uh, and I got out of there, and, uh, and I ran. And uh, the dude knew who I was because six months earlier, he had caught me doing the same goddamn thing. And he tried to help me. He would come over, and he said, dude, you need some help. Left notes at the door because I wasn't answering the door. Uh, I would look out there and see the doorbell, and I'm, mm. And the first time, he held me down on my, he caught me, he held me down, and I could feel his knee in my back, and I was drunker that night than I was this night. And uh, he asked me who I was, and when I told him my name, I felt the pressure of his knee come up off my back. And it's like a feeling that I, 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 it will stick with me forever. And uh, this time, he wasn't so nice. He tried to give me that help the first time around, and uh, I took off one way. And I suppose he thought I went home. Uh, it seemed like it'd be a dumb move, but uh, uh, so I ran. I ran. I, I grew. I live in the neighborhood I grew up in, so I know it really well. You know how that is, your old stomping grounds, and and uh, I kind of would say that you know nobody could find me or catch me in my own stomping grounds. It'd be a it'd be a fluke. I mean. I know where all the dogs live and the gates are and the places you can get through and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I left. And since I got to condense this a little bit because of the timeline, this dude goes over to my house with his baseball bat. That new girlfriend of mine had went to go to the bathroom at the moment. And he come up and he raked the side lights out of both sides of my door and he busted the window out of it, and he come in the house, and he started laying into everything in the house, man. If it was glass, if it was anything, he started just beating the hell out of my house. Now, I don't know this, you know. I'm off wondering what the <laughs> fuck I'm gonna do uh, about this new problem I just acquired. Uh, she didn't know what was going on. She didn't have a clue, man. You know, here just a little bit ago, I said, I'll be back in a minute. Next thing you know, some dude's beating hell out of the house. And those two, uh, she squatted down back in the bedrooms trying to protect those kids that are in those bedrooms from whatever, whatever just come in this house. And they met in the hallway. And she wanted, he, wanted, he wanted to know where I was at. And she wanted to know where I was at, too. He left and... Uh, Later on that night, I, I would come back. I saw the cops that was in the neighborhood and everything, and, and I kept on going away and coming back and wondering, you know, I remember having, you know, that, that book talks about uh, suicide, and I always, always, you know, we have that happen here. Uh, that looks like a way out at some points in some of our lives, you know, because not being able to stop drinking, uh, 
that avenue is one way I can stop. And and, uh, and and it's 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 a tragedy that that is what some 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 people around here do. I've never known death like I've known death since I've came to these rooms. There's not a week that goes by I don't know somebody dying, you know, or or two to three degrees away from somebody I know, you know, uh, your aunt or your brother's friend or whatever. And I thought about that that night. I finally come back in the house. Uh, I come in the backyard and I sit there. Saw lights on in the house, man. And I don't have no idea what time it is. I don't have a cell phone. I don't have, you know, I, I don't know what time it is. But every light is in my house, like there's a party going on in there. And uh, I looked around. I snuck around, looked around the front of the house, and and I was surprised to see two things. I was surprised to see that girl's car was still there, because if it was me, I wouldn't have been. And my mom and dad's car's in there. Because this, cause this girl don't know what to do, man. She picked up my phone, was sitting there, called my folks. Uh, I sat down under a pine tree in my backyard, and uh, and I remember having a thing that I, that went through my head time and time again throughout my life, really, of uh, over and over again, I don't know what to do. What do I do? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And basically, I was sitting under that pine tree thinking that. And uh, the back door came open, and my dad walked out the back door, and he had two five-gallon buckets. And uh, I didn't know what was in them, but they looked heavy. And uh, he started to proceed down the stepping stones that go lead back to where we carry out the trash. And, uh, and, and I balled up as small as I could possibly ball up underneath of that pine tree, hoping that being as small as I could, that he wouldn't see me. And, uh, and as he walked, I could hear his footsteps, and, and he stopped, and I heard those buckets hit the ground. What those buckets was full is all the glass that this dude busted up inside my house. So here's my old man who's been had my back my entire life, uh, always supported me, maybe to a fault, but I understand that today because I have kids that are starting to toy around with this bullshit too. And, uh, and I can understand the powerlessness of that condition. And uh, he said, Dan, you okay? Are you hurt? And that was not what I was expecting to hear. And the next feeling I had, I told him, yeah, I'm okay. And the next feeling I had was him sitting down next to me, putting his hand on my knee. Uh, and it chokes me up to think about what that old dude has done for me all my life. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be here today if it's not for him. And then more ways than one, not because he donated sperm, uh, for all the support that he's given me all my life. I get to pay him back today. Uh, and he sat down beside me and he said, Let's go inside, let's hit the shower. We'll deal with this tomorrow. Yeah. It was a whole chain of events, man. I walked back in that house, looked at the red eyes of my mother and that girl and knowing them, you know, you know how we do, man. We've effed up again. Effed up one more time. I went to bed that night somehow. Woke up in the morning, got ready for work, walked out in the backyard, down those stepping stones, reached down, turned that rock over where I'd hidden them pills last night, throwed a half dozen of them in my gullet, put the rest of them in my pocket, headed off on my day. There's also a line in that big book that says we can't remember the humiliation and the suffering of a weeks or months ago. I couldn't remember the humiliation of last night. 
I think of this disease as like a parasite, you know, and it really did. It, it, it gets, there's some, there's some of these real in nature, and maybe y'all have heard of this before, but there's some of them in nature, and, and they hijacked an organism's operating system and will make them act contrary to what they really would. That's how toxoplasmosis happens. It, it, it go, a, a, a mouse comes from mice, and when they got it, it makes them lose their fear of felines. <coughs> And, and they get eaten. Well, the fact is, is this particular organism needs to go through the digestive tract of a cat in order to complete its life cycle. And it hijacks that, that, that mouse's operating system, and they've proven that. And that's, the way, that's, a, that's a real good way of looking at this thing, man, because it hijacked my operating system, man. And, and although I think I'm controlling my life, I'm not. There's a joystick sticking out of my rear end, a joystick cord sticking out of my rear end, and the disease has got control of it, and it is driving me. I think I am, but I'm not. Uh, I went through all the court crap, man. Uh, that was June of, of uh, 14. Worn out for my arrest, go turn myself in, do all this stuff. Went through six months of pretending to be sober showing up at these meetings, having, uh, I stood in front of a judge in New Albany, Judge Cody, and he told me I was going to prison for, uh, uh, I can almost say it verbatim, I think. He said, the sentence, uh, the crime you have committed is punishable by the state of Indiana for a period of six to 20 years in the Indiana Department of Corrections. And that scared the shit out of me, but I still couldn't quit. I'm going down to court doing those pretrial things, man. And then going getting drunk right afterwards because of the guilt remorse and uh, it was that was attached to it. And uh, a miracle happened. I was coming to AA. I knew this was a solution, but the damn parasite wouldn't let me like go all in. I was coming in here telling you guys I was okay. You know, I wouldn't let anybody know. You know, I had a select few that knew what was going on. Uh, you know, you, whatever happens in here, you know, we, try, we say go to lots of meetings, right? Go to lots of meetings because, you know, there's one of them where your bell's going to get rung. You know, it may not be this one. It may not be the one to bring my bell. But I walked into the, a group in Louisville called the Spiritual Underground, and it's a men's group. And, uh, and, and I had a friend ask, tell me and tell me and tell me I should come to this meeting. And, and I... And, and, there's another little concept I got from Bob Earl, an old speaker, that, you know, when you bring me something that works for you, if you bring me something that works for you, I instantly reject it. You know, we, we, we preach in here a, 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 your own conception of God, right? And then when the Jehovah Witnesses knock on my door, I cuss them. I don't let them have their own conception. They're just trying to bring me something that's working for them. They're not assaulting me, you know? Uh, and my buddy was saying come to this Tuesday night meeting and I, and, and I couldn't do it because it wasn't my idea right that's another thing around here man it's got to be your idea to work these steps no matter how many times I tell you over and over again tomorrow you wake up and think you know I think I'll work them steps and you'll do it and when you, you've been sitting here with 60 people telling you day in day out to work the steps and I ain't going to do it until it's my idea and, uh, and that's, it was, I had the idea that hell I'll go this meeting with Scott and I went in that meeting and, uh, and, and 
and I heard people talking in voices that I had not heard before. You know, and I don't really understand how that, what that dynamic is. You know, we all, we all seem to need the gift wrapped up in a different color bow. You know, your color's blue and yours is yellow. And until somebody puts the yellow one in front of you, and I walked in there, man, they had my color bow. I ended up hooking up with a sponsor. Uh, my sobriety date is uh, January the 1st, 2015. And that wasn't no New Year's Eve kind of thing either. That was just a pure fucking accident. Um, my sponsor, his name is Christopher C. Uh, his sobriety is May 11th of 1984. And, uh, and one night, in a series, after another one of these miracles happened in my life, he walked up to me and told me he'd sponsor me. Because, you know, I couldn't ask for a sponsor. I couldn't do it. I couldn't walk up to one of you men and say, hey, man, will you help me? I couldn't do it. God fixed that for me. He tapped one on the shoulder and said, go help that guy. And, man, what happened after that? And this whole identifying thing is goofy, but what happened after that was... Uh, I had that wonderful gift of desperation. I didn't know what to do with that gift. This man showed me what to do with that gift. And somehow or another, I started doing every single thing he told me to do. It didn't make any difference. If he told me to pick a booger and wipe it on page 263 of the big book, when he saw me again, there would be a booger there. And although a lot of it sounded like crap, and in the back of my mind, this guy on my left shoulder is going, this dude is nuts. Why has he got you doing this? What help is this? What good is that going to do? He, uh, he guided me through these steps, and I had what this thing promises. And we read it, and we read it, and that blue book is, you know, ultimately my Bible today. Uh, it's my way of doing life. And uh, it says you'll have this vital spiritual experience. Sometimes it comes quickly and sometimes it comes slowly. And it comes slowly. But you know, he worked me through those steps in about four months. Uh, I ended up on home incarceration. I didn't have to do a day in jail. Uh, I was supposed to do home incarceration at my parents' house because they weren't going to let me stay at my house because I've been breaking into that house. And my, all, all my neighbors wanted me to go to jail. Uh, the Floyd County court system made a mistake and they accidentally put my home address on the home, on the home incarceration paperwork. Uh, the day I was moving in my mom's house, she, she told me she'd quit them pills. And the day I went over to clean up my bedroom, she had her chin on her chest and a jar of them pills right next to her. And I knew I wouldn't be able to stay sober in that house. And I didn't have any idea what to do. Don't know what to do, don't know what to do, don't know what to do. My sponsor kept on giving me this answer. Pray. I remember thinking, you got to give me something better than that. There's got to be a better solution. But I did what he told me. And Floyd County screwed up and put the wrong address on the paperwork. I had people in this program, and I'm, it's not a knock, this is my experience. Tell me I need to go down to Floyd County and tell them they had made a mistake. It's a program of rigorous honesty. My sponsor said that would be undoing God's work. 
did served out that time. It was easy. Nine months of home incarceration. I was sentenced to a year. The uh, that nine months took. Don't put anything in front of your recovery, right? Put your recovery first. Well, ankle bracelet will help you do that. <laughs> so if anybody's having any problems putting recovery first, that, that's one solution. It's a bit of a gamble, though. Uh, you, could, you may not get the bracelet. So it did that, man. And I just watched one thing happen for my, you know, the, you know, some people call God good, you know, put an extra O in there, you know, and... Uh, and, and as I practiced these principles and, and, and followed your guys' suggestions and showed up in these meetings, my life started getting some good in it and things started happening for my good. And uh, I'll celebrate seven if I make it to, to, uh, to January. I met Eric, thank you for asking me to, to speak here today. I met him early in recovery. He's another one of them faces. I always do this. I'm a woodworker, so I make these for my friends. Uh, nice. Little wooden token of my appreciation for helping me. I said, uh, y'all know Happy, you know, Happy said something to me yeah. early on in recovery. I was pissed that night. He said, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I was doing the dance, you know, the not doing it and just trying, you know, you know, once you got this thing, man, and you talk to a guy when he's doing the shuck and jive, you can tell, you know, we get this radar. And he knew I was doing that and he shook his finger in my face and he said, the thing is, Dan, you must participate in your own recovery. That's happy. Uh, he's right, you know, and today I use that almost every time. Uh, because I thank Eric and I thank you all for allowing me to participate in my recovery in this manner here tonight, you know, and, and making these little wooden tokens for my friends and people is another way I get to participate in my recovery. God saw fit that I uh, started a podcast where I do what we do right here, and I invite people to come and they tell their stories on the podcast because, you know, I only get this, I'm out of time, I only get this 30 minutes up here, you know, and you can't tell your story in 30 minutes, you can tell some version of it. And, you know, hell, I never know what version's gonna come out. They're all the same. It's, it's the same story, just matters what pieces of it's gonna come out. But we get to sit down at that podcast and tell your story. It takes about two hours for most people. And, uh, and, and, and I get emails from all over the country and all over the world from people uh, sending me stuff about, I had listened to your podcast and it, and, and, it, and it helped them. And, you know, and that is what, you know, if there's one thing in this program that I think falls above every other principle that we have, it is help other people. Mm -hmm. Whatever that is, help them. And I found some kind of gift I didn't know what I had that I have an ability to help people get sober. And there's not a single thing in my life that brings me more joy or more fulfillment than to sit down with another person and guide them through this work and watch their lives change just like mine did. Because this, this, it, I, I, steal another line from a favorite speaker. This is not a program of some get it and some don't. This is a program of some do it and some don't or won't. Because this thing's a guarantee. Big Rick told me, I guarantee you that if you have this thing that I got, this thing called alcoholism, if you got this thing called alcoholism and you work these 12 steps and 
practice these principles in your life, your life is going to get much better. And I said, in my back of my mind, I'm going, guarantees, man. Death and taxes, that's the only thing guaranteed, right? And he said, I'll guarantee you one other thing. You got this thing I got, this thing called alcoholism. If you got this thing and you don't practice these, you don't work these steps, and you don't practice these principles, your life's going to get a whole lot fucking worse. And I heard that. I see a couple squints, maybe because I use the F word here and there, and I won't apologize for it. If that's not allowed, you you invite the wrong speaker. Because <laughs> I don't overuse it, but that piece of emphasis that Rick told me that night had an impact on me. And he owns a crystal ball, I own one today, because I can tell you the same thing. And he was right. My life got a whole lot worse. Then I did this work, and it got a whole lot better. So much so I can't believe it. So I'll close with that. Thank you all for listening to me. Uh, thank you, uh, Eric. I'll bring us back over here. I'll, are you coming up here doing a little birthday thing? Yep. I'll leave it right here. Right here. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.